Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Heart of Dating podcast. You're joining us right now in the middle of a compatibility series we are doing here on the show. And I'm just loving this, you guys, because at first, this series started with me just having a few ideas of things I wanted to cover, such as weight, such as height, such as age gaps. And now it has actually expanded into other things. Just last week, we talked about chronic illness and dating. And this week, we're talking about ethnic ethnicity differences in dating. I'm so happy that we're having this conversation. The point of this series is to really open our minds about who we might consider dating and why and how we may be eliminating potentially really incredible people based on preferences that we are actually treating as non-negotiables. Today's conversation, we're focusing really on ethnic differences that are driven by some racial biases and judgments and stereotypes we have based on certain ethnicities. Now, if we are truly to be open to love and whatever form that God is deciding to bring us that love, then we truly need to check and test our mindsets so that we as Christians aren't acting the same as people who are out there in culture are acting and dating. Dating as a Christian can be incredible. We just have to make sure that we are challenging our mindsets, challenging our preferences, and entering into dating with open minds to see people as whole, amazing, beautiful people. My tagline for this entire series has been, date the unexpected, and God just may do the unexpected. Today, we are joined by three different people, and we have an Ethnic Differences in Dating Roundtable. I wanted to bring on three different people with three varying ethnic backgrounds, as well as different genders as well, so we do have a dude in the roundtable as well representing. So we have the incredible Gareth Pond, who is an Asian male who is originally also from South Africa, and he shares a bit more about his background with us on the episode today. We have the beautiful Abigail Ernesty, who is originally actually from Kenya. So cool. I didn't know that until she shared that today. And so she is a black woman living in America today, and she shared a bit about her background in length, which is incredible and so interesting. And then last but certainly not least, we have the wonderful Gabriella Aspiru, who does so much for our team here at Heart of Dating. If you've been on Instagram or TikTok, you've probably seen Gabriella repping us over there. She's so much fun. And she also just does so much for us on the back end here of Heart of Dating. So it's so incredible to get to hear from her today. And she is a Hispanic woman. She explains a bit more about her ethnic background on the show today. And I'm so grateful, y'all. I am grateful for Abigail. I'm grateful for Gabriella. I'm grateful for Gareth. Today, we talk through all the different layers of what it's like dating as an Asian male, what it's like dating as a black female, what it's like dating as a Hispanic woman. And I know we aren't covering every ethnic background here today, but I hope that this will give you a taste of perspective, that it will open your minds, especially if you're a person who has previously not considered dating one of those ethnicities. 
I also hope that if you do share one of these ethnic backgrounds with our guests today, that you would feel seen, that you would feel heard, and that you would also feel challenged as well by the things that they share. So I'm really excited, you guys. I think this is such an important conversation, and I'm so thankful for the perspectives from all three of our guests today. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Oh my goodness, we have a roundtable discussion today on Heart of Dating. I'm welcoming three amazing people onto the podcast. This is so fun because I haven't done a three-person roundtable with myself in a very long time, so I want to welcome each one of you individually. First, we have Gareth Pond. Hey, Gareth, what's up? Hey, what's up? So glad to be here. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here too. Then we have the amazing Abigail Ernesty. Hey girl, how are you? So good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy. And then last but very much not least, we have Gabriella Aspiru. Hey girl, you are not a non-familiar face to me or to our heart of dating people. Hello. (laughs) Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) This is your first time on the podcast, girl. What's up? I know. I'm so excited. I mean, I've been here since 2019 and now I'm like, wow, I'm on the podcast. How the tables have turned. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, first of all, if you go on our Instagram or on our TikTok, a thousand percent, you're going to see Gabriella because she is mainly in most, she's in the majority of our TikToks and she's in a lot of our reels. She does a lot of stuff for Heart of Dating. She is our community and creative manager and she's just the best and we love her. But I also would love to introduce everybody else. So today we are specifically having a conversation around ethnic differences. And the reason why we're doing this is because we are in the middle of a compatibility series and um, something that kept coming up in the polls and in my DMs when I was polling people on Instagram was people wanting to discuss about, you know, entering into a relationship with somebody of a different race, a different ethnicity, and how that affects dating. And the point of this specific series is to really open our minds about who we might consider dating and why and how we may be potentially eliminating really amazing people based on our preferences that we are treating as non-negotiables. And so some of the things we've covered are weight and height and age gaps and chronic illness. And I really am excited to have this conversation today on ethnicity because a lot of times we are entering into onto the scene of dating with some racial biases and judgments. And Really, if we as Christians are to truly be open to whatever God has for us, um, which we should be, I believe, then we really have to dig into why we are treating some preferences as non-negotiables. And sometimes we're not even realizing that we are. But I see this happening a lot when it comes to dating with of a different ethnicity. And so I'm so excited to bring all three of you guys on today. Um, we have three individuals of three different ethnic backgrounds. And I'm going to individually introduce each one of you. So, and then I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your background, where you came from. So let's go back to Gareth. Gareth is an Asian South African man. Gareth, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually a pretty unique mix. My dad is second generation Chinese South African, but my parents, my grandparents were originally from the Canton Islands in China. And then my mom is Asian, but she was born in Mauritius, which is a tiny little island that is part of Africa with a bit of French influence. 
Oh my gosh, so um, and, cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. But then when my parents got married, they moved to South Africa. So I'm third generation Asian South African. Wow, I love that. Oh but my gosh, we, sometimes yeah. I don't know what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you are currently living in America for the Correct. Record, correct? Okay, cool. Yeah, I love living that. Living in America. I love it. Okay. And then we have Abigail. Girl, you are an amazing African-American woman. And I would love to know a little bit more about your background. <laughs> yeah. So I was born in East Africa in Kenya and uh, grew up most of my life there and um, spent lots of time, yeah, in Africa. So I'm African, 98% African, according to the one of those little, you know, DNA tests you take. So oh my gosh. Did you say 98%? That's yes. amazing. <laughs> Oh like, my gosh, we're really, like truly I am 98% almost 100. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so, that is my ethnic background and then I um and I'm, I'm adopted into a family of French and Dutch people. So, I grew up um in America, half in America and half in Kenya. Oh my gosh, amazing. That so makes sense too now with your last name, which is like yes. kind of has some French background too. I love it. I love all things French, by the way. Um, that's really cool. I did not know that about your history growing up in Kenya exactly to that extent. So that's that's amazing. Wow. Okay. And then we have an amazing Hispanic woman, my girl Gabriella. Can you share a bit about your background, girl? Yeah, of course. Um, so on my mom's side, I'm second generation Colombian. My mom was born in Cali, Colombia, and my grandparents on my dad's side, um, they came here from Cuba. So I was born here in the United States. I grew up in the Northeast in Connecticut, um, but I recently <laughs> moved back down to South Florida where I was born, where actually Latin American have really shaped the culture down here. So um, it's been really cool to kind of see that and be involved in that. But yeah. I love it. Okay. So, so amazing. I love also that you grew up in Connecticut. We've talked a lot about that because I grew up in Connecticut too. And it's, you know, I, I not to hate on Connecticut. I actually really love Connecticut. It's a beautiful place, but it's not that diverse. I'm just going to say it, um, at least in some of the areas in the area I was specifically brought up in. So that's a whole separate conversation on its own. My eyes were really opened when I left Connecticut in the beginning of high school and started moving around to different places. And now I've lived in big cities, New York and LA for the last nine years. So totally different experience. But okay, y'all, I'm really excited to dive into the conversation today. And I wanted to bring both just three different people with different ethnic backgrounds and even different genders. We have Gareth, shout out, representing the men today, and just have an open dialogue about how different things can show up in dating for you guys. Uh, really, really briefly though, before we get into it, I should have asked it before, but I want to know quickly what each of you do, um, just to highlight the amazing stuff that y'all are doing, because each of you are really phenomenal people. So I'd love for you to just tell me a little bit about your passion and what you get to do for work. I'm a creative director. I work for a company called Rosewood Creative. It is not the hotel group. It's a, an agency that focuses on really blowing out social media for a lot of companies. We have some interesting clients like um, Apple TV, Apple Music. We do a bit of stuff for Nike. Um, I work on brands called like Q Health. Um, we do a bunch, bunch of gaming clients. Um, but yeah, my background is in film and photography, but really veered into 
the advertising social media agency world a couple of years ago. So cool. You're such a creative genius. You really are. I've seen some of your stuff Thanks, here. Kate. I love it. Um, Abigail, what about you, girl? I love what you do. I'd love to highlight it. <laughs> yeah. So I am the brand manager for an anti-trafficking organization called Elevate, a Rebecca Bender initiative. Rebecca Bender is a survivor of sex trafficking turned expert, and she founded the largest online school for survivors of human trafficking in the world. So I manage, yeah, all of, all of our brand stuff, which is really fun and exciting. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then Gabriella, we kind of said what you do, but why don't you share what you do? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I do TikTok. No, <laughs> I do. So I help Kate with a lot of things on the back end of Heart of Dating. Um, and like I said, I've been here since 2019. It's really been a blessing because um, just being like on the episode today, I, I've met so many people in our community. And the fact that I can be here today is just like so humbling and heartwarming. So I help a lot on the back end with like community management, social media, um, emailing when we do on our beds, just doing a bunch of different things for her to dating. But um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And yeah, I just, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, love you, girl. She really does a lot, y'all. It's amazing. And she has to deal with my crazy three personality, which is sometimes all over the place, has lots of ideas. So she's incredible because if you know anything about a three, then you know that we're a lot sometimes. Okay. Um, all right, you guys, let's dive in to the meat of this conversation. I want to really start at the top by hearing about just some stereotypes that you guys have maybe come across in your dating experiences. Because I know that this is specifically what can often happen when we don't know somebody or when we don't understand something. We have a stereotype when we meet somebody of a different ethnicity per se that we kind of bring to our encounter with them. And the thing about it here today is that what I often experience is there are some people who will just not consider dating somebody of another ethnic background, but then there are people who will consider dating somebody of a different ethnic background than them, but they have they bring some stereotypes to the table and they kind of treat that person in a way that is different because of the stereotypes they have in their head. So I'm going to actually start with Abigail Girl. I would love to just here as a black woman, what are some stereotypes you've maybe encountered in your dating experiences? Yeah, what comes to mind for me is really just conversations that involve any kind of conflict or disagreement. So maybe even just when you're in the stage of talking through different perspectives with someone or when you're getting into dating, I think that people are quick to kind of mistake an assertive personality for somebody who is angry. Um, and that can create a real feeling of being misunderstood, which just puts a hindrance in a relationship because you want to be able to express the full range of human emotions that you're having and still feel seen and heard. So that's what stands out to me when I think of this question. Yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense. So in dating, there's like a lot. Of, can you just explain maybe just a little bit more of how in dating that may show up, like an assumption of somebody that you may have encountered, whether you personally or maybe somebody that in your community? Yeah. So I think like if you're in a moment where you're feeling really strongly about an issue, be it something that is political or something going on in your family, and you know, you're in a place of 
really just wanting to get your point across. Um, and so that might be in the tone of how you're saying something or in the words that you're using. Um, just if somebody's automatically then assuming like, why are you angry? And it's like, well, I actually am not angry. I just feel really passionately about this. Yeah. Um, it can create this this place where you're like, now now you're feeling like you really want to shut down because, or I'm, I've felt that way where I'm like, oh man, I feel like I can't express how, how I'm actually feeling without you just assuming like you're just angry. And that's like, then creates this hindrance of really actually having open communication with someone. Yeah. And then being able to see like, I'm just passionate. Like I just want to be heard and like, I would be happy to have a conversation, but the passion is taken as anger. I'm assuming in what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for sharing that, girl. Well, Gareth, I would love to also hear from you as an Asian man. What are some stereotypes you've encountered in dating? Yeah, totally. So I think I think the main thing for me is is I've seen how just popular culture and media has really feminized Asian males. Um, a, a good example is if you think about any movie, like name a couple where the protagonist is an Asian male who kind of plays the role of a masculine individual with any film. And if you just kind of like do that comparison, it's actually very hard to highlight, highlight any of those films. Um, there's never been like an Asian James Bond, for example. There's never been, it's, it's never the guy, the Asian guy who like swoops in and gets the girl and has this like really great kissing scene you know for example yeah. um, there has been it has gotten a little bit better um i mean if you think about if you think about movies uh like fast five with han lu um and then steven yun in the walking dead mm-hmm. also plays a pretty good role but even then those roles are pretty minor and it's it's few and far between so um it's interesting because it comes from a, a long historical kind of string of of um perceptions of how Asian males are perceived. I think too, um, I've, I've been in a couple scenarios where people will assume that I'm a lawyer or a accountant just because I'm Asian. Like there's weird scenarios oh, like that. Right. And then like you work in finance or you're really good exactly. at math or something. I hate that stereotype, but that is yeah. one that I've heard. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And then obviously with that, there's certain assumptions that come of like, okay, like all accountants are boring and lawyers are boring and uninteresting. And um, so it's, it's, um, it's about that, which, which really puts a bunch of uh, like less, it makes like Asian males like less confident, right? Um, because it's, it's this perception of like, okay, well, what, what, are, what are we? You know, it's like we perceived as very passive and potentially like a little geeky and nerdy. Um, so that's interesting because I've found personally in, in my dating life and where especially on um, dating apps, like I have a very low success rate and you can actually see kind of the, the data around that. There's a couple of articles. Um, and I know we're going to yeah. kind of go into that all later. Oh yeah, we are. We're going to talk about dating apps. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting too, because even in knowing you, Gareth, like you are this really cool creative guy that like dresses so uniquely and you know, like knowing you, you are not, you don't fit that stereotype per se, you know, like the stereotype we're talking about. And so it's so unfortunate that somebody might eliminate you just based on that stereotype that they have in their head. Now I'm grateful in one sense because I actually, because I see some things shifting, not a lot, but some things shifting when it comes to how we perceive the Asian culture at large, especially Asian men. But I just saw the movie 
Shang-Chi. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> I, I yeah. hope I'm saying that right. Have you seen it or heard of it? Yeah. It's a Marvel Absolutely. movie. Oh my gosh. It is amazing, by the way. It's so, so, so good. But I only bring that up because, you know, I was like, wow, I love this. It, it was so, so, so cool. And yet I was thinking as I was watching it that we just, we don't experience or see that enough, you know, the Asian man being shown as, you know, that almost like you just said, the James Bond kind of guy or the guy that's yeah. like really, really cool at taking men down and just an incredible guy, you know, like just watching it on screen. I was like, man, really, you're so right. Like our culture perception, at least here in America, I think, especially we've really changed that. Now, just quickly on that note as well, did you experience this any differently when you were living in South Africa? I think, I think I've definitely become more aware of it here in the US, which, which is a, it's, it's an interesting culture shift. I mean, culture is obviously different. Um, but in South Africa, I had some random things happen to me. So I would be fetishized. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that oh, right, but fetishized yeah. by by certain um, people groups too. So literally getting catcalled in on the street. Um, so I would that would happen to me, and that would make me very uncomfortable, flattering to a degree, but still uh, kind of weird to kind of have that happen. But I think and that was in I South think, Africa. Weird. That was in yeah. South Africa. Yeah. And then obviously in South Africa, it's, it's, I mean, very recent that we got rid of apartheid. So there's still a lot of racial kind of undertones that happen depending on which city you're in. Um, I know for sure that I probably can't name um, any friends who are in, in relationships with white women who are Asian in, in South Africa or kind of have gone the distance to kind of even got into marriage. So, and that's not even it's not even a knock on the culture or anything. It's just because it's very recent, right? So there's a lot of um, segregation still in some cities and it's it's just because it's a recent, more more like recent time that has kind of come from, you know, just it takes time to heal and that's normal, I think. Yeah. Gosh, okay. Well, I also want to hear from Gabriela as well as a Hispanic woman. What are some of the stereotypes you've encountered in dating? I know we've talked even just through Heart of Dating about some of them. I'd love for you to share it with the people. Yeah. Um, so I think when it comes to like being a Latina, you kind of get this stereotype that you are hot-headed, you're oversexual, curvaceous, wear skin-tight clothing, um, have long dark hair, tan skin, the whole the whole idea, I, I kind of call it like the Sofia Vergara concept, you know, and like, that's really oh, yeah. what the media has portrayed Hispanics and Latinas in movies and TV shows. Um, the Hispanic is always the one with the attitude and the one who is very sexual and always um, a little bit promiscuous. And I think the issue that that has brought is like, first of all, just like, in terms of just being a woman, um, it makes you very self-conscious and aware of what your body is because now people have this idea of what you have to look like and act like. And like Hispanic and Latino culture, it has a very like complex history where we do not all look the same. You know, you have Latinas who are blonde hair, blue eyed, and we have beautiful Afro-Latinas too. You know, I'm more pale skin, dark features. Um, and it's so diverse that it's really unfortunate and kind of unfair that they've kind of put us into this box. Um, and it's really kind of sometimes 
um, we just get very over-sexualized. Um, and I've been like on dating apps or just in conversations where the entire undertone of like the conversation shifted as soon as they learned my ethnic background. Oh, wow. We're, and we're going to dive into more of that too, because that's, that's really tough. Cause we're talking to like right now, it's like when you see somebody, these may be your initial, like even in person, but then there's a whole nother layer when you're on a dating app and you can't actually talk to that person. And then you're really just judging them based on like what you see in photos of that person, unfortunately. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. And I think just like overall, and I, I know I mentioned it earlier, like I moved from like Connecticut where the population's primarily white versus now I'm down here in South Florida where um, you have cities in like down here where the the Latin population is like at 90% in some of these cities. So it's like a completely different culture shock and a shift. Um, but it was like, like one of the thing I know, like I talk to a lot of my Hispanic friends, like one of the things like, oh, you're so exotic or you're so spicy or you're so like fiery. And like people think that that's a compliment, but it's really not because you're just making an assumption of who I am and you haven't really gotten to know me yet. You're just like, oh, she's a Hispanic. So she is fiery. Oh, she has to dress like this. And I've been like in, you know, dating scenarios where like I've had a guy ask me once like, oh, I thought you'd wear something tighter to our date. And I was like, oh, um, wow. really? Like it's 20 degrees outside and I'm wearing a sweater and jeans because it's freezing, it's winter. I'm not gonna wear like a clubbing dress and heels, you know? Um, so it's just unfortunate because that's the first thing they sometimes assume and it just becomes over-sexualized in that way. Hey friends, so here's the deal. For this ad break, I want you to take a break. If you've been dreaming about a beach getaway, but you're nowhere near the ocean, maybe it's time to get a bit creative. Well, with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, you can listen to the relaxing sounds of the waves and give yourself a break wherever you are and at whatever time of day. Did y'all know that I actually listen to the sound of rain or even the ocean to sleep? I love it. And honestly, I now can't sleep without it. Calm gives you the tools that improve the way you feel. You can clear your head with guided daily meditations, improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks, and even drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. Now for listeners of Heart of Dating, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Kate. You can go to calm.com slash Kate for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash Kate. All right, y'all. I hope you have a peaceful, dreamy sleep tonight. Now, if you guys have been around for a while, you'll know that we've talked about attachment wounding. And within that, I have shared that I personally struggle with anxious attachment. This anxiety that I can sometimes experience in dating will also lead to my body being inflamed in all sorts of ways. And one of the things that I discovered a while ago that has been helping both my inflammation and my sleeping patterns has been CBD because it can actually help with sleep and reduce pain, anxiety, and inflammation. However, today the CBD on the market has become extremely saturated. So please be careful when you buy your CBD. Low quality CBD can have undesired effects. The CBD brand I trust is Ned. 
Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world. Ned produces several quality full-spectrum hemp oil products extracted from organically grown hemp plants. The products that Ned offers are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. Now I want to talk about two products that Ned offers. The first is a sleep blend. Over 50 million Americans suffer from sleep disorders and many are prescribed sleeping pills or other over-the-counter nonsense items. Ned Sleep Blend blends CBN, a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep, with 750 milligrams of CBD made from the world's purest single-source full-spectrum hemp oil and organic and wild-crafted botanicals used in traditional medicine to foster rest. The second product I want to tell you about is the full-spectrum hemp oil. You can de-stress your wellness routine with a single all-natural remedy for alleviating stress and anxiety. Ned's full-spectrum hemp also comes in a capsule form. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process, all right on their website. Ned's products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf and Dr. Will Cole. If you want to check out Ned and try their full-spectrum hemp oil or sleep blend for yourself, we have a special offer for our Heart of Dating audience. You can go to helloned.com forward slash Kate or enter Kate at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order. That's helloned.com slash Kate to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring our Heart of Dating podcast and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health concerns. Okay, this is a great segue into what I wanted to bring up next about over-sexualizing and hypersexualization and sometimes fetishes within ethnicities because... You know, as followers of Jesus, we are still exposed to and often impacted by the hypersexualization of various ethnicities. And as a result, this often does unfortunately affect Christian dating. To that point, I want to talk to each one of you guys individually, and some of you have already brought it up because you've maybe felt hypersexualized in some way with because of your ethnicity, or maybe you've also felt a sexual aversion to you, like you felt a sexual aversion from other people based on your ethnicity as well. And so Abigail, if you'd be okay with that, I'd love to start with you on this question. Yeah, for sure. So I think definitely there's a theme, overall theme for all of us of the influence of pop culture. And so I think that's definitely where I see this intersecting with my story is just the idea that um, people oftentimes in talking, flirting, dating stages make comments that feel very reminiscent of trying to fit Black women or me as Black woman into one of three boxes. And so that really looks like kind of the idea of the Mammy, the Jezebel, or the Sapphire, which is just the really the idea that Black women are either going to be sassy or submissive or sexy. And so I think there's this sort of feeling that when you don't fit into one of those three categories that you are disappointing or not quite what they thought you would be instead of really just having the opportunity to get to know people as as whole beings, right? And so I hear that a lot of in the tone of what we're all saying. It's that feeling of kind of being like divided up into parts versus being known 
for the completeness of who you are. Yeah. Would you say those three stereotypes one more time? Because I really, I, I, you said it and I was like, oh, wow. Would you say them one more time? Yes. So the Mammy, the Jezebel, and the Sapphire, which is just like sassy, submissive, or sexy, which I think if we think of, of media too, we could probably pull out different black women from culture and be like, oh yeah, she represents this box or this box or this box of just like the common thread of, of what's expected. And I think a lot of times people don't even realize they take those biases into their everyday life and then expect the person that they're sitting across from to be showing up like that. Yeah. This is super random. This is a question for all of you guys that's coming to my mind. Do you think that because there's sometimes these cultural stereotypes that you guys might have put on you, that sometimes either you or people around you may feel like they have to adhere to those stereotypes because of what is being assumed about them? Um, I Yeah, I would say 1000%. Like there's, And sometimes it's not even conscious, right? That people would kind of veer into certain ways of talking or like mentioning things in a certain way because of certain stereotypes so yeah it just makes me sad to hear that because I'm thinking like yeah that would that makes sense because like you're seeing it in the media and then you're somebody's assuming it of you and then you know you're influenced like we're malleable people we're like oh well maybe that's how I should show up but then in turn you're not being able you're not being able to freely show up how you really want to show up. Maybe that's not the identity you want to portray or the personality that you have, but you are kind of adhering to it or picking it up because of almost like a peer pressure in a a weird way based on cultural stereotypes and this label that gets put on you. I'll give you an example, Kate. Like I, so I'm, I'm not a, I'm a very extroverted person, right? But let's say I wasn't, let's say I was a a bit of an introverted um, Asian male and I was in a scenario where I'm like in a group of friends or like meeting new people because of the perceptions and the stereotypes of Asian males being more passive and more subtle, I would probably try be more extroverted and loud and obnoxious in a space to kind of diffuse that, if that makes sense. Um, and I have, I have friends who are, who are Asian who do that. And for, for that main reason to not come across as even even um slightly like passive and in my mind i'm like if you if you are a more like laid back reserved individual like it's cool like do you be yourself like don't have to um force your way into like conversations so it's that's like one example and i think another example actually is is uh i can't remember the article but i was reading an article about a personal trainer who has a lot of asian clients and they would come to him and say, I want to look like the guy in Black Panther. I want to look like this this person, that person. It would never reference an Asian person who had a good figure. And it's not like we can't have good figures, but we can. Um, but it's just the, it's the interesting perception on, of even how I've, and I've caught myself doing this, how I don't want to be Asian because of the stereotypes that are kind of attached to that. And there's an interesting kind of parallel that happens with that and not to get too crazy into this because um, it's it's probably a deeper topic to, to, con- to have conversation about. But even with um, the Stop Asian Hate kind of movement that's going, I found that I even have a little bit of self-hate because of being Asian, because of how I was treated um, growing up in South Africa and kind of the perception on and the stereotypes on Asian Asian men and specifically. So 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something that has affected my behavior. I mean, I've seen it in friends um, and it's really just kind of learning how to, I've learned how to lean more into appreciating things about who I am because I'm Asian versus allowing them to like hitch me up. Yeah. Yeah. And even when it comes to what we're talking about, the hypersexualization, I think what I've in reading articles, you actually sent me a few. Thank you for that. And so often, personally, what I've been seeing at least is, you know, versus when Gabrielle was talking about the hypersexualization of Hispanic women and Abigail was talking about that as well. We for black women, you know, for Asian men, there's almost the opposite happening. And maybe this is the wrong word, but I think it's the desexualization of Asian men where they are seen as less appealing or less attractive or whatever it is. And I've experienced that, like even just personally within my friend groups of people saying things, unfortunately. And I imagine that can really affect the way an Asian man is showing up in dating. And unfortunately, like, gosh, like, I don't know why this is, but it also, we were, I were reading some articles that you sent me, Gareth, and it also showed that oftentimes people are less likely to, to go towards the Asian man, especially on dating apps, which we're going to get to in a second. But I can really, really imagine that would affect your ability to just show up on the dating scene confident when you know that this person may already have an idea of me that is like a desexualized ideal of me, like a that I am less desirable, less attractive, less whatever it is. Gareth, do you want to speak to that for just a second? Yeah, totally. I think I think for me it's just I I've realized there's a lot more barriers to kind of get through, if that makes sense. So it's like, okay, I've got to break these stereotypes, I've got to do this, got to do that. And especially on dating apps, it's all it's all just images, right? So people can't pick up my character. They don't know I have an accent. They don't know I like certain things. And there's this assumption that really comes with a lot of the interactions um, on in dating, which I find like super interesting. Um, and then I haven't I haven't dated a ton since I moved to the US, but even in scenarios that I've been in, there's been a lot of questions around obviously because i have a unique background but the i've had to do a lot of educating versus dating while i'm dating if that makes sense which is which in itself is is like fine like totally cool to to educate and talk about it and and kind of bring light to the situations but um kind of take that scenario if i wasn't asian there'd be like a lot more steps to to kind of skip before um, just getting into knowing, like knowing a person, for example. Mm. Yeah, I actually want to read this, some stats specifically, because it was from an article that Gareth, you and I both read. Ironically, you sent it to me and I was reading the article that, at the moment that yeah. you sent it to me. It's a good one. But <laughs> it was really good. It's an article, online article by The Conversation. And I'm going to specifically read what it said. It said, Asian men are twice as likely as Asian women to be unpartnered at 35% versus 18% for Asian women. This gender gap in romantic involvement among Asians is in part because Asian men are much less likely than Asian women to be in a romantic or marital relationship with a different race partner, even though Asian men and women appear to express a similar desire to marry outside of their race, which is really interesting. While many people recognize the racism in elite college admissions and workplaces or in the criminal justice system, they tend to attribute racial exclusion in the dating market to personal preferences, attraction, or chemistry. 
which is why I'm so grateful we are bringing this up because that this is so real, especially for an Asian man or Asian woman as well, but specifically on the topic of Asian men that, you know, we, we kind of overlook it when it comes to dating, but we don't overlook it in other areas like college admissions or in workplaces or the justice system, or at least we're trying not to overlook it. Right. Um, but in dating, we're kind of just like, whatever you're allowed that because it's your personal preference. You don't have to like want to date an Asian man because that's your personal preference. You're not attracted to them. You don't have chemistry with them. But again, coming back to the point of this series, my question is why? And if we are to live as followers of Jesus and to be open to the kind of love God has for us, why are we limiting ourselves to these stereotypical norms that we are receiving through a cultural lens? Shouldn't we be above that? Shouldn't we challenge some of our preferences? If you are listening and you are a woman that has said, I'm not into Asian men or I'm not attracted to them, why? And what could you maybe do to look beyond that and challenge yourself? And maybe it's not just an Asian man. Maybe it's somebody of a different ethnicity. Um, my question is to you, maybe you're a guy listening and it's you're having that same thought about somebody of a different race. Why? Why is that? So that's my little TED talk there, but I just wanted to bring that up because I'm so passionate. It makes me so sad to read these stats and to recognize in conversations, this often happens. Like we all have some sort of, we all are going around saying we have some sort of type. And when it comes down to ethnicity, it gets really sad for me because on the converse side, and I want to bring this up again um, and have Abigail and, and Gabriella speak to this, but maybe there's some almost hypersexualizing happen for some other ethnicities, such as Hispanic women or black females. And Abigail or uh, Gabriella, would you like to speak into that? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, when you're looking into these stereotypes and you're having a preference, and I know we have mentioned this earlier, but like it becomes a fetish. And when that becomes a fetish, you're no longer appreciating my background or my culture. Um, you're just sexualizing it and you're not seeing me for me. You're seeing me for my background and you're not seeing me whole is what I should say. Um, you know, you're only, you're only seeing these assumptions that a lot of them have just been made up through media and pop culture. And you're not actually getting to know me. You're just like filling in your preferences box with my culture. And that's not okay these stereotypes have such a lasting effect on like um, Hispanic women, you know, and I briefly mentioned this earlier, but like it creates so many body image issues for us um, because we're so diverse and we're so different. And when we're not fitting into that box of when people are like, Oh, I have a thing for Latinas. Now, if I'm not fitting that image of what you have in your head of what a Latina should look like and act like, then it's like, oh, but not your kind. And I've been in those situations before. It's just been really unfortunate. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't dress a certain way or look a certain way into what your box is. Um, and because I didn't match your idea of what you think I should be like, then you were no longer attracted to me. Then it makes me wonder, I'm like, are you actually attracted to me? Or are you attracted to these supposed like stereotypes like of what I should be that have been so hypersexualized in our culture, you know? Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. Abigail, I want to see too if you have anything to weigh in on this when we when we're talking about the hypersexualization of different ethnicities. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think that's the thing about um fetishization is really that it, it ultimately is objectifying a particular part of a person for your own sexual desire. And so it just creates this, this 
thing in a in a relationship where you're like, or you know, you're that person is is making this one piece of you and into um, about their gratification. So it becomes inherently selfish in that space. And so I think just I totally relate to what Gabriella is saying, and just that then you're not you don't feel like you're being seen as an entire person, um, and nobody wants that, right? So I I think that becomes this for black women, like, right, we don't want to just be seen as a, a Jezebel, just be seen as sexy. You know, we're not all going to be out here like Beyonce, um, even though we love her. Um, like <laughs> even though we not, love her, yeah. <laughs> that's not always going to, that's going to be the way that everyone carries themselves, presents themselves, wants to dress. And um, furthermore, I think as followers of Jesus, we, we have to realize like the image of God is, is uniquely on everyone. And God has his expression coming through us. And so I think being able to appreciate the wholeness of a person is something we should want to do when we're dating someone. Yeah. I love that, man. You guys, this is a beautiful conversation. I want to go into one third layer here and we've brought it up a few times, but it's up dating apps. And specifically, I was reading an article by the Huffington Post regarding the app OkCupid. And in this article, it was reported that Asian men, black men, and black women were getting the worst ratings on OkCupid, while Asian women and a Latina woman fared actually the best. And so I want to quickly just break into this a little bit. Um, And Abigail, maybe we'll start with you. I want to know what your experience with this has been on dating apps, if you've experienced this at all. It doesn't have to be OkCupid, but just overall. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this and I think yes and no. So truthfully, I think I feel a more like tangible overlookedness in my real like real life spaces than I do on dating apps. But when I parallel the results of like what I'm seeing in the swipe left, swipe, you know, swipe right world, um, when I'm sitting with my white girlfriends or I'm sitting with my black girlfriends, there is a very tangible difference. Um, and so I think when I'm seeing the results that are of my white or white passing girlfriends, that is a huge, there is a huge discrepancy. But when I'm looking and sitting with my black girlfriends, oftentimes I'm seeing um, a very real form of colorism, which colorism is defined as prejudice or discrimination um, against individuals with darker skin tones. Essentially, it's just a form of racism. And so I oftentimes will see that. And where, because I am a little bit lighter, I will see a discrepancy if I'm with my black girlfriends who are a little bit darker in their dating apps. And so I think that is very true. And I just think in the dating app world that the way that it oftentimes feels to me, I don't know if anyone knows what what blackout poetry is, but it's where you like have a piece of paper from a book and you go and like line over with a Sharpie different words to create a different story. And I think oftentimes that's how this feels. The dating app world feels is that someone has kind of blacked out parts of the, your story to create, you know, to create and to fit the narrative that they're thinking that you are versus wow. knowing the entirety of your story that's on the page. And so I feel like that is oftentimes what the struggle is in, I th- that I feel like that I'm hearing from all of us that is actually just not being seen again, like for the wholeness of who you are. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I've never actually heard of blackout poetry. I don't know. That's really, really interesting and can be super beautiful if used in the right way, <laughs> but also really toxic if you use in the wrong way or, or used in an example, like you're just saying, 
man, yeah. And it's like, as followers of Jesus, how do we see, like, look at Jesus and the character of who he was and how he, who he surrounded himself by all different kinds of people without judgment, with just like, I embrace who you are. I want to know who you are, all different kinds. And I think that we should, we should also practice this even when we're trying to date, you know, it's just like, what are your preferences and why are they that? And if you are a person that says, I would never try to date outside of my height preference, my weight preference, my ethnic preference, whatever it is, why is that? And is that really godly? Is that really in line with what God wants for you? And maybe, and maybe like God isn't going to have you marry somebody of a different ethnic background, but what would it look like to at least have the posture to be open to something like that? without having these preconceived judgments, stereotypes, and ideas and putting them onto people. Um, I want to open it up to also Gareth, just on the topic of what this article said in the Huffington Post of Asian men having a harder time and faring the worst, specifically on dating apps. You mentioned it before, but would you be able to kind of open that up a little bit more for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of mentioned it, but I have a, I have a very low hit rate on dating apps. Like I have messaged a ton of girls, like, and I very rarely get likes. Um, and it's, it's just, I'm, I'm not on a lot of dating apps. I'm on hinge basically. That's it. Um, and then I've been on ones in the past, but kind of similar to what you were saying, Abigail, just kind of comparison to my friends who are on dating apps who will get DMS all the time. And like, get hit up on Hinge and the matching um, all the time. And I have a very low hit rate. Like I can probably count on maybe like two hands the amount of matches I've gotten on dating apps since I've moved to America. Like it's, which is surprising for a lot of my friends just to kind of give that perception on, on both girls and guy friends who I've said like, yeah, who I've told them I have a low hit rate and they're even surprised. So, um, I and I've I've tried uh, just everything more of honesty because I I honestly prefer to meet people in person, um, but I've tried and experimented and and be like oh maybe if I use this app or this photo or like do something funny or say something funny and um, I've even given my profile to a friend of mine who has a very good hit rate on his profile and say hey slide into like some dms on hinge for me and like even then i don't get hits <laughs> which is which is bizarre um oh. and he's he's a, a very attractive like black male from london so he's he gets pretty good success on dating apps and it's a it's a very interesting comparison there because even compared to my friends on dating apps where, where i've literally given them my profile they and and they say the similar things and they like lean into characteristics when they like reply and very thoughtful messages. And even then the hit rate's pretty low. And then mm. on the flip side of that, when I have met up with, with girls in person, they're like almost always surprised, like guaranteed, like, Oh wow, you're so different in person. Didn't expect that. And um, I think it really comes back to kind of the, the barriers that I mentioned is, is there's a lot more steps to kind of, make an impression 
um, on a go. Which is, again, just so unfortunate to me. And I'm like, I'm so, I'm hoping that people listening to this, it's something is pulling in their heart to say, okay, is that me? Am I that person? And can I change that? Because this isn't right. Gabrielle, I'd love to hear from you as well about your experience on dating apps. This specific article by the Huffington Post did say that Latina woman fared the best on these apps, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what your experience has been. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be interested to hear what they say is fair the best. I'm going to assume on how many like swipe rights I get. I would get swipe rights, but the conversations were never authentic. Like there had been a point where I'd be very careful like of images I put up. Like I would put images where I don't have my full body in the image because when I put those images, I would get a lot of hits, but I would get a lot of comments just immediately just commenting on my body. Um, and then past that, like, I have also had conversations where I would actually not show that I'm Hispanic. Like there, I think like Hinge, like you can put like your ethnic background or I don't remember which one, but I actually chose not to. Um, and I was in conversation with a guy once like, and this has happened a few different occasions, but this is the first like, um, conversation that came to mind when I read over this question was, we were having a conversation on literature and poetry and like a very like intellectual conversation for maybe about an hour. And he thought that I was Italian because I lived in a very like dense um, Italian American population at the time. And I was like, Oh no, actually I'm Colombian and Cuban. And in a second, the conversation, like the narrative of the conversation completely shifted. And I was no longer talking about literature. It was, he literally was like, oh, okay, I, 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 a sexy mamacita. And I was like, in half a second, I'm like, well, we were just having like an intellectual conversation. Why did it turn into such a sexualized conversation? And um, in that moment, I was just uncomfortable. And I just went, oh, well, okay. And I tried to continue a conversation on, I was like, so who's your favorite poet? And from there, it was still constantly, are you going to teach me Spanish, winky face? And it was just like, okay, this is not going to work out. And it was just mm. like, I, it was uncomfortable. And I think like my experience on dating apps has been like, yeah, I'll get a lot of people swiping right, but I have a lot of people make me feel really uncomfortable very quickly. Um, so it's kind of like, sometimes it's like, well, maybe I don't want to wear something tighter because it's suddenly sexualized. And if I don't, then it's like, oh, are you ashamed of your culture? It's kind of like a constant back and forth, um, when it comes to, you know, dating as a Latina. And like I said, I, there's been a culture shift since moving down to South Florida, because I feel a lot more at home where there's Latin American culture has really shaped it here. Um, but like being in Connecticut, where it was, you know, it, the majority um, is a white population, it's very easy to be seen as quote unquote exotic or quote unquote spicy. And then again, just hypersexualize my culture. And I went through a period where like I dyed my hair blonde, this and that. And it was like, I don't know, I just I just didn't want to deal with that hypersexualization. And now I'm more comfortable in it. And I'm like, yeah, if I want to wear something, especially it's in Florida, if I want to wear something that makes me feel more comfortable, if I want to wear my big hoops, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's just because I want to wear it because I have, um, you know, a Colombian Cuban background. It's just because it's what I like. And it's just unfortunate that even on dating apps or just dating in general, um, sometimes people just see your ethnicity. And like, as Abigail was saying earlier, um, they see that and then they're not seeing you as a whole. 
you know, um, don't fit me into your stereotypes that you have that fit your fetishes. See me as me and get to know and appreciate my culture um, instead of just making assumptions about it. Mm, I love that. That's a mic drop moment right there, girl. You guys, this has been such a great conversation. And every interview, I end with the same question. And I'd love for you guys to answer it based on the conversation today and specifically with what you want to see change maybe in the area of dating different ethnicities. And so uh, the question is, what is your final nugget of dating advice? But if you could spin it towards this conversation, that would be awesome. And this is a free for all, whoever wants to go first. (laughs) I'll go. I feel like I would just say like, look for God in the other person. You know, like when you're sitting across from someone or you're swiping on a dating app, like look for, um, you know, I think the majority of this community are followers of Jesus. And so just look for what Jesus could teach you and for him and the other person. Um, and I think that that will then reveal, you know, if we're asking the Lord to search our hearts and know us, then it's going to reveal if we have a bias, it's going to reveal if we have a barrier that we've put up because of that person's ethnicity. And so if we are continually just looking for the Lord in them, we're going to see them for who they really are. And I think that's going to create the most beautiful opportunity for connections. Yes, I can jump in. I think I have two kind of points of dating advice that I love lately. And the first is is just like allow God to write your narrative. Like I have been way more open in terms of what I'm learning through dating and less about trying to force my hand in situations because we all know how that goes. Um, and, and just letting kind of those stories play out and, and a sense of discovery. And like, Kate, you do this super well, just, just having a more open mind and learning more about yourself versus just trying to make a certain scenario come true. Um, and then the second piece of advice is really just honestly getting excited about learning about a person, um, destroying all perceptions and kind of making excitement at the forefront of why you want to talk to someone and kind of like how, kind of like back to my first point, but how you're personally kind of scripting and writing that story to use a very filmic term um, of how you like getting to know someone. And that's really beautiful. I think there's a beautiful kind of element of um, narrative in that that can make it very exciting and and a lot more um, just amazing for the future. I would say to date someone for who they are fully and not just for who you think they are and not for who you want them to be either. Um, just learn to appreciate every part of a person because God's created us all uniquely and with different backgrounds and different stories. And it'd be a shame to not appreciate all the beauty of who they are as a person um, if you just let your preferences or types hold you back from dating them. Mm, so good, you guys. This, these pieces of advice are amazing. Well, I'm so grateful for this conversation today. Abigail, Gareth, Gabriella, you guys killed it. I'm so grateful for your perspectives, for you sharing your hearts, for being vulnerable. Um, some of these things are really hard and not fun to talk about, but I'm really thankful that we're exposing these things. And I really hope and pray that people listening, A, feel seen. If anyone listening is feels feels seen because they are they have a different ethnic background and they feel 
like the stereotypes are affecting them in their dating lives. And so I pray for the people listening that they feel seen. I also really hope that for people listening that haven't considered or have judged people of different ethnic backgrounds in dating, that they would change their perspective, that they would start seeing that person as a whole amazing person, as a whole amazing man or woman of God with a unique perspective and that they're not exactly just a copy and paste of every single other person in their culture um, and that we could just come to dating with a curiosity, with a posture of curiosity, with a desire to just learn about that person and what makes them them, regardless of their cultural background, even though their cultural background is something beautiful and to be celebrated. So it's like, yes, we want to see that and celebrate that, but we just also don't want to assume anything. That's kind of the point here. Um, so celebrate our differences, celebrate our backgrounds, and yet also don't go into dating assuming things about somebody just because of their ethnic background. So anyway, Abigail, Gareth, Gabriella, thank you guys so, so, so much for being here. This was amazing. Thank you, Kate. Was so awesome. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been a great conversation. I'm so grateful, you guys. All right, all right. That wraps this episode today all about ethnic differences in dating. Thank you to Gareth, Abigail, and Gabriella. That was an incredible conversation, a much-needed conversation. And again, I said at the end, but I really hope and pray that this challenged you, that this made you feel seen, and that this collectively can help us move towards seeing dating and our preferences in dating in a new way. Y'all, we still have more episodes coming in this compatibility series. So I would just encourage you, would you share these episodes with a friend? We're talking about some really hard topics, but really needed topics on here. Ethnic differences, height differences, weight differences, age gaps, chronic illness and dating. And we are also covering very soon political differences. Stay tuned for that. But it would mean so much to me if you just shared some of these episodes with a friend. Also, make sure you keep up with what we're doing over on Instagram at at Heart of Dating and at Kateness. All right, y'all, that's it for today. I'll see you next time. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 